Welcome to Pursuing Success. My name is Alden. And I'm John. In this podcast, we dive into the fundamentals of success. Try to figure out how to be a little bit better each and every day. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, John and I thought we would give a little bit of an intro to this whole series before we get started. We're about to do an interview with Slim, and then we did a second interview with him a couple months later. So this is uh, a friend of ours that we met uh, as a homeless man out on the corner in Ann Arbor, uh, right near our apartment building. Uh, we have been friends with him for almost a couple of years now, and we finally got him last April to do an interview just to kind of hear about his life, and this is that story. Yeah, we interviewed him in April, and then we interviewed him again um, at the start of June. And then uh, we're finally now uh, putting it all together and releasing it as a two-part podcast series. Um, And that's what you'll be hearing. Sweet. And we're even just now recorded a part three as well. That's just with me and John uh, as a... Kind of recap to everything. Uh, I guess the story after the second A little interview. continuation to it, and then yeah. just some reflection on uh, on our experience as well. Yeah, so enjoy. Thank you so much. Peace. Let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. You gotta play some country. Yeah, next <laughs> next time. Next time. Today we have a special guest with us. His name is Slim. We're gonna be hearing a little bit about his life. Um, thank you for joining us today. It'll be a good show. All right. So I'm John, and uh, I got my, my host, co-host. My name's Alden, and Slim. Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Slim. And uh, how did we find you, Slim? Well, Alden found me first by jogging. Then uh, when I met John, he came by with a... a Boomer. Boomer. The dog. I was walking. I was walking Boomer one time, and I just found you. I didn't care about him. I cared about the dog. (laughs) (laughs) John's good people. Naturally, no. I mean, I don't blame you. Boomers are pretty, uh, pretty cool dogs. So, but yeah, that's how we came acquainted. Uh, Slim was down by the corner, Packard and Golf side, sitting down there, and uh, we just got to know each other just over time. Um, where do you want to start today? Should we talk about? Uh, um, I, I want to learn a lot yeah. about you, Slim. And uh, so let's try. Let's let's start at the beginning if you're comfortable. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about your upbringing, all the way like as as early as you want. Well, my grandmother, my mom and dad abandoned me when I was one and a half. My grandmother got legal custody of me. Uh, I lived with her till I brought her up here in May of 1979. She died June 15th of 1979. We buried her up here because all her kids was up here, so. I got stuck up here. My, after she died, my, all my brothers and sisters went into foster home. And I took off on the run because I didn't want to be in the foster home. I, I started joining the carnivore. I worked for B&B on the West Coast and Way Shows on the East Coast. And after that, 
I was homeless, got frostbit in 1986, and uh, U of M wanted to cut off both my ankles, put my ankle down. So I stole some checks, ended up in prison, and while I was in prison six months after that, I caught attempted murder on the guard. And it was, it was on purpose. I got into a fight with the head blood there because he wanted me off the yard to join the gang. I refused to do both. So when, as soon as we got into it, I knocked the gun out, the knife out of his hand. A guard grabbed me without announcing himself. So I ended up beating him into a coma. He, sp he spent six months in a coma and um, had to go into early retirement. Uh, so they got me for attempted murder. Um, so I got out April 3rd of 2018. I got off parole December 2nd of 2019. I've been homeless since I've been got out of parole, since I got on parole. Uh, I was staying in the woods across from Catholic Social Services in a tent. They catched me off that property. So I started staying in the little tree line at Catholic Social Services. They, uh, I went in the hospital, had surgery. They threw my stuff away while I was in there. Didn't know if I was coming back or not. Uh, I got stage two cancer. Was I at the time I had stage two, now I got stage four. Three and a half weeks ago, they gave me less than six months to live. Uh, I was supposed to move into my new apartment here in Way of Avalon over there at South Maple back in October, and it still ain't happened. And um, we they told us that we're moving in May 1st, that ain't happening. They postponed it again. So um, I'm still on the same corner, still on the same street. And, you know, that's my life story. That's a lot. That's a, uh, I mean, that was just a quick little survey um, uh, of your life. And uh, there's a lot to dive in there. I mean, you've been through, you've been through a lot, Slim. And, uh, and I think that, Throughout all of this, I'm sure that I think we can learn a thing or two from you. And uh, so that's kind of the, the point of this podcast is to just sort of dive in deeper, um, hear some hear some stories about your life. I mean, even if we go back to the, the very beginning, um, back when you were just you, you were running away from the foster system and then you were thrown into real life and uh, you were experiencing life uh, 12 years old. I was not even 12 yet. I, I would. 11 and a half. And so then you're sort of like forced to function as like a, as an adult. You just, you yep. got to provide for yourself. Yes, I was. And uh, what, what was that like, Slim? It was hard. Um, I got into Golden Glove boxing. I boxed for eight years, got six belts under my, under me. Um, so, no, I, I taught myself how to work on cars. I do construct. I've done construction work. I love construction, working on cars. But after I got real sick, I was unable to work doing that kind of stuff anymore. So, you know, 
So I interviewed at Wendy's, and I start next Friday. That's awesome. That's actually news for me. I know yesterday we went and uh, we got you your your interview outfit, and uh, that's that's actually amazing to hear that you got that. And I'm excited. That's um, sweet. And you, you're uh, you've got things sort of lining up just uh, at this point because you you're gonna be moving into your new place pretty soon. You've got a job, and uh, I mean that's that's pretty exciting, don't you think? Mm-hmm. It's you know, but it it is, but it's a setback from what I'm used to doing. Because I like I like to work on cars. I had a good job working on cars for Top Gear Auto, and I miss it. But you know, that the curveball that was thrown at me, so there ain't nothing I can do about. It. When you were you're in your teens, that was when you did the boxing and the working on cars. So when did that all change? So you were that was eight years from eleven and a half to around 19 yeah uh what happened around 19 i was homeless and i ended up going into uh getting frostbit you're, you're good you can answer that if you want no nah, i'm straight um so now then i ended up in prison with you, I just told that story, and so here I am. But hopefully, things start moving back up again. I hope these last six months I've got is a happy one. Yeah, and for for those of us listening in, and uh, I know you you just told us that you you got word from your doctor after you found out that you've got stage four cancer, and he gave you six months to live. And uh, he said, "I'm lucky. I would be lucky if I make it six months." And uh, that, that's pretty, I mean, that's really kind of scary to hear, I'm sure. And yeah. Uh, for sure. I think I think we can all uh, sort of agree that no matter who you are, if you're sort of given a time limit like that, 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 that kind of hits hard. Yeah, it does. But I'm spending the last six months with Arden, his sister, uh, Arden, his girl John, his sister Max, and my girl Lynn. You know, so that's all I need. Is there anything else you really want to do uh, in the next six months? Well, when I get down to about my last three months, I'm gonna go back to the hills of Kentucky and be buried there. Mm-hmm. I think we can. Uh I think we should try and organize that. I think we can certainly uh, get you down, maybe even sooner than uh, three months, and just have uh, have a good time down there all together. Right? That'd be really nice. Alden, myself, maybe Emily, Lynn, you, and just uh, have a good time. And I think that's certainly something that we can do. Throughout your entire like period when you were growing up, what do you think is like your most fond memory? Like what the time when you're like the happiest? With my grandmother. With your grandmother, yeah. Well, what are uh, what are the, some of the like good stories that have come out from that? <laughs> she used to go out grocery shopping, and <laughs> she put everything away. And when she goes to sleep, I eat all the pounds of butter <laughs> and the sugar out of it. 
smoke a cigarette. She gets up, mad. <laughs> you just like raiding in the kitchen yeah. in the night. You just eating hey, everything. Raiding the kitchen in the cigarettes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Great. And then she wakes up. She's going all crazy. She's like, where, yeah. where all the stuff going? Just got. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. When you uh, when you started working for the carnival, um, you said you worked on both the east coast and the west coast. Yes. Um, how how long did you spend on each side, and like how would you get across? I was hitchhiking. You just hitch hitchhiked from uh, side to side. Would you, was it like seasonal? Like you'd come over um, on the east coast when it was warm, and then go back on the west coast nah, when it got cold. Uh, I would work for the west coast for way show for summer, then when it's, when they closed down. I would uh, hitchhike over to the west coast while it's warm over there during the winter and work over there the next summer, then come back. How much do you make doing that? Uh, it depends. I worked the rides, so I, what do they call a ride jockey? Um, plus I helped move the trucks around and drove trucks with them. So I've got I got my regular three hundred and fifty for running the rides. Then I got an extra four hundred for driving the truck. Nice. And are we talking like uh, three fifty and four hundred a month or a week? A week. A week. You got paid every Saturday. Man, so you were uh, you're really making good. some money. Yeah, that's great. And, that's awesome. Uh, when you when you found that, how do you find that job? I caught that job for way shows when uh, they were doing the Ann Arbor State Fair. Oh, nice! So you were you were living in Michigan at the time, and yeah. you just sort of uh, you went to the state fair, and you just found someone who was yeah, looking I, to hire you. I was walking around the. Uh, they did a state fair at Pioneer High School. Mm -hmm. At the Ann Arbor State Fair at Pioneer High School, and I was walking through the rides. And I got, I met the, one of the managers and asked him if he needed any help. He said, yeah, you can help set up rides and ride rides and run the rides. I said, no problem. And I started right then. And that's pretty sweet. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty neat gig that you got. You can travel around the country a little bit. And Yeah, uh, Way Shows does. Michigan, the Netherlands, uh, Mobile, Alabama, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, San Antonio, Texas. Then when when they uh, the last one they do is Atlanta, Georgia, before they head back home to Orlando, Florida. Wow! Oh wow, that's quite a tour. Out of uh, I mean, I know Kentucky's your favorite state. What what state is your like your second favorite state that you've been to? It's you in the heck ain't Michigan. Now, my next favorite state um, would be Texas. Nice. Why is that? I like the country down there. I like the uh, cattle farms. You know, so I like working with animals. Mm -hmm. I get along better with animals than I do people any day of the week. Well, you noticed Boomer first and not John. Yep. <laughs> Is it kind of similar to Kentucky in that way? Kind of like backcountry? Yeah, but 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 Kentucky, 
to me, of course I was born there, that where I'm from. But if you ever get up on the hill and look down, it, instead of the grass being what people see green up here, it looks like a bluish green down there. That's why they call it the bluegrass. The bluegrass mm -hmm. country. That's sweet. Look forward to seeing that for sure. It's beautiful. But you got to watch out. There's plenty of rattlesnakes down there and plenty of copperhead. I mean, I, that's, uh, I remember you telling me that when we've talked about Kentucky in the past. We'll, have to, we'll definitely have to watch out for those. We, watch, we used to wake up in the morning and uh, there'd be like three, four rattlesnakes right on our front porch. All curled up. Oh, man, that's crazy. You yeah. ever get bit by one of them? Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. not ever. <laughs> Down in Yuma, Arizona, I worked for uh, B&B. We used to go out rattlesnake hunting and put them in a 55-gallon pail. Oh, wow. So you're finding a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Are you feeling that 55-gallon bucket? Yeah. Nice. Every day. Every wow. So where are you where are you uh finding all these like just around like the out in the desert. Some of them you find in the city. Close to the city because the way they're cutting down trees and stuff like that. They're they're immigrating into the uh main city. And how would you how would you catch them? We were we we had took a tree branch that's about six foot long, and we cut a little fork in it so we could hold his head while we grabbed his tail and behind the head. Oh, wow. So you're doing this basically all by hand. Oh, yeah. There, there's not a lot of margin for air for that. Did you, no, uh, there ain't. Were you around <laughs> people that got bit during that? Oh, yeah, several times. Oh, man. But you never got bit. Not yet. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> you're a skilled. Yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a Close, but no cigar. There you go. Well, that's all you need. Close is close enough. Would they ever get inside? Like in Kentucky, maybe that's a stupid question, but like you're saying they're all over the front porch. Were there any close calls inside too? Uh, we ain't never found one inside. No. The, under our, we, the house that we lived in uh, apparently was, was built on a rattlesnake then. So when we were... I mean, there was rattlesnakes everywhere. Then we had a little river that ran in front of our house. We had a bridge going from our driveway over the river to the main road. And uh, there's a lot of water snakes and uh, cottonmouth down there. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, you never really had too many in your house? No, we oh, didn't have none in our house. That's good. Do you have any, um, did you have any meaningful friends you remember growing up? Oh, uh, me, I'm kind of a loner. I like, I'm pretty much, when I was a kid, I was a loner. I hated people. Hated people with a past. Hmm. What for? I just, after my grandmother died, I hated people. Uh-huh. I turned into a very hatred person, very violent hmm. person. And that's what sort of fueled your boxing career that you started. Yep. Yeah. So you said you got like six uh I got six, six golden glove belts under me. Wow, that's a lot. I mean uh so you how long did it take for you to train for that? Uh 
We never stopped training. We trained all, all year round. All year round. And how long, how many years did you do boxing? I boxed for eight years. Eight years. That's a long time. When did you start? I started, my grandma got me enrolled in it when I was about nine years old. Oh, wow. So you were doing it all the way, all the way for a while. Yeah. The first two Golden Globe bouts I had, I lost by a split decision. Then I won the next six straight. So. so you came back with a vengeance. You weren't messing around. Yes. Where was that? Uh, is it somewhere nearby? Uh, I boxed for Marquez out of Detroit. Gotcha. Did you live in Detroit for those, for those years? No. Where were you at? I used to travel back and forth. I used to, we lived right down here on Packers, just off Packers, by the uh, 23 Bridge. There's a little street, used to be a dead end with six houses on it called Cherry Tree Lane. Mm -hmm. That's where I lived. Gotcha. That's a pretty big hike to do for that long. Do you, th you see, uh, was boxing, um, is that one of the bright spots in those years? Yeah. Is that, I guess. It was a way for me to not only get out my anger and my frustration, but to be, put revenge on people. Yeah, in a way that... Uh, <laughs> but it was legal doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best kind of way. Yep. That, that's great. And uh, so you really stuck with that. And what caused you to uh, stop boxing? I broke my hand. You broke I shattered my, my wrist, hitting somebody in the forehead. Oh, man, thing. During a boxing match. During a boxing match. You would have kept going, though, if you could? Yeah. That's unfortunate. So what happened right after that, then? How long did it take for that to heal and what you do um, in the very meantime? very long time. I still ain't. I can. I still hit hard, like a ton of bricks, but I got to be careful how I hit because it, it will break again. Gotcha. So what would you do to support yourself right after that, the boxing? Went into way shows, mm -hmm. went into the carnival. Awesome, awesome. And so when, when you were working at the carnival stuff, that's when you were teaching yourself about car stuff? Yeah. Nice. And then um, at what point did you like go from your carnival stuff all the way to uh, just working in that garage? Well, when I, when I left the carnival, I saw the first garage I worked in was C&H Garage down on 4th Avenue, in Ann Arbor by Madison. Mm -hmm. There used to be three or four apartments above the garage, and I worked downstairs in the garage. The uh, the owner of it was uh, Chris uh, Har Harrison. Nice. And then you moved to another garage after that? No. I went to prison after that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So if you're willing to share how did that go down from the transition from working to to prison because that's it obviously you had your zero to 20 life and it's kind of a big transition period and how long were you in prison for i was in prison 33 years i went in with a one and a half to 14 years mm -hmm. of, uh taking checks and cashing them to get my feet taken care of six months after i was in there i caught uh, attempted murder gotcha so Obviously, uh, 
that's really, really tragic. Like that's, I'm so sorry that happened the way it did. That sucks. Um, did you know how long exactly the sentence was or was it kind of like, well, since the murder clear is 20 years. Uh huh. I could have got out in 89 on parole, but because I called that attempted murder, you know, and your time don't start until you finish the first 14 years. Then after that, your attempted murder charges come on. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So it gets tacked on to the end. Yeah. Gotcha. What... Um, those years in prison after the attempted murder charge. I did 13 and a half years in a level six at IMAX in one block. Uh, then I went, they shipped me to a level five in the hole. Like I, I was in the hole in level six for 13 and a half years. Then I went to, they shipped me up to Marquette. I did seven and a half years up there and F block, which is the hole, without a ticket, a minor or major ticket or, or any kind of write up before they even considered to let me out the hole. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Do you, I, again, so sorry. I spent from 1980. Seven in the hole all the way up to 2016. Is the hole what you call just jail in general? No, segregation. Solitary confinement. Solitary, Solitary confinement. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So throughout all that, um, I mean, obviously being in prison, that's that's rough, and there's no way to to like make that lighter or anything. Did you ever have any like good times in, in prison? Any like good memories from that? Yeah, I was on the softball league. I worked in the kitchen. Um, so, then was my two, uh, softball, basketball, and the kitchen. That's how I spent my time once I got out the hole. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And, uh, as far as the softball goes, how long uh, and when did you uh, be able to? When were you able to be a part of that? After I got out the home. Okay. Yeah. This when I got out the home. When I first got out, they sent me back to IMAX, but they got a level. They got two blocks. One's a transition unit, three blocks, and then they got four and five blocks is senior population. Once you complete your transition unit, you go to four or five blocks. Once you complete that, they send you, they automatically drop you down to a small, a lower level. So, you know, <laughs> that was my Mountain Dew. <laughs> we gotta keep that Mountain Dew flowing. If you don't mind sharing, I am very curious to hear about your personal experience with solitary confinement. What was it like? You know, I didn't deal with it very good. Um, I was always tearing up a cell to the point 
what they had to literally come in with the what they call a goon squad. Okay, it's an extraction team, ERT team, come in and rush me, put me in cuffs, drag, take me out the room, put me in uh, another cell, chain me to the bed, and it took them about, when I got done with the cell, it took about three months to fix it. I broke out the windows. We, I used to take my jumpsuit and put uh, newspapers in it, get it wet, let it dry. It's like a sledgehammer. You could take out a brick wall. Oh, wow. And so what, what was like your main motivation behind that? It was just because you, you had nothing else to do? Is it, uh, or you just like, you had the anger? I had the anger build up where I couldn't, and they wouldn't let me, you know, in the hole you only get, you know, yard, three days a week, and you only got to come out and get hell out of the nap for a 10 minute shower. Yeah, so, so then you're just, you're just going crazy because anyone would go crazy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's terrible. Like, no people, nobody can live like that for no. a long time. So you get out, you get out of prison in 2018. Um, and do you have anyone around you? Do you have, um, what was that process like? Like reintegrating your, yourself well, into- until, until, until just a few months ago when I met Lynn, um, I had no, really nobody around me. And after Lynn, I met John, and I met Alden, John's sister, Max, you know, Alden's girlfriend, you know, and they became real good friends with me. We became real good friends. Yeah, and I mean, we really, uh, we've, we've really enjoyed, like, learning about you and, and having you be our friends for sure. But yeah, getting to know you has been awesome as well. Yeah, and there's a period. I mean, you, there's a whole year. So there was, like, no one around you? You were just completely no on your own? No one until I met Lynn, which was in 2000. When me and Lynn got together, it was late 2020. Late 2020 when me and Lynn got together. Wow. So you went from the beginning of uh, 2019 all the way up until late 2020. Yeah. April 2018. Oh, wow. So, like, the beginning of 2018 all the way up to 2020. So, that's, like, two years that we're talking yep. here. And you're you're just completely on your own. Yep. You've been in prison for 33 years. Um, you're on parole. So, are they, like, trying to get you to get a job? Or, like, what's going on with that? I would look, when I was on parole, I was pretty much telling them, kiss my butt, because until... Like the last four months of my parole, I never dropped clean. I was always dropping for heroin or cocaine. Then I went to three parole officers. The last one I had was Tusky. He sat me down. He said, you give me these last four months clean, no dirty drops, and no problem. I guarantee you, I give you off parole. He got me off parole. So you you did the hard part of uh, staying clean for four months, and he got you out. Yes. 
Congratulations. And now, now you're here. Free we are. Man. Yeah, you. <laughs> here we are. And here we are. You're you're sitting here drinking some Mountain Dew, getting ready to move into your your apartment. You got a job nailed down. You got. And your even girl. though I'm off parole, been off parole since December second, two thousand nineteen. All the parole officers I had, and even ones that I got along with, they all they still come and check on me. That's awesome. I mean, you make an impact on people. I think everyone, um, to some extent, makes an impact. Um, but, I mean, you um, obviously um, are an impactful person. You've experienced a lot, and people care about you. There's a lot of people that care about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good-hearted person, but I'm very dangerous if I get crossed. I try not to go that route. Yeah, for sure. I think you're a really brave person for still still just being where you are today, having gone through all of that and the whole and going on through that with your grandma. All of that stuff is really, really hard. And I just want to honor you for that, that you are able to be where you're at right now with a job and living your life. Um, Having gone through all of that hard stuff at such a young age, I think that's really cool. I admire that. Yeah. I I, I could have came out with a very nasty attitude. But I came out, I said, no, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to change from the attitude I had in there. I'm going to come out with a better attitude than what I did. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What what was the big change for you? Because I, I get you were really angry in prison. And obviously no anger is like totally gone. You couldn't but, even but look, you couldn't even yeah, look at me. If I thought you were looking at me sideways, I'd plain out knock you out. Mm-hmm. Right there on the spot as soon as you walk past. Um, I did... Till I met Lynn, everybody that knew me during that time period before I met Lynn would tell you, you couldn't even walk past me. Mm-hmm. What I kind was of literally trying I mean, to you, break you gotta, you get, When you're in prison, you got to have like a hard shell on, and then uh, you get out and you're just kind of trying to reintegrate yourself into uh, into society it's again. two different worlds. I mean, we're talking 33 he, years, a lot, I mean, a lot at, Even after I got out. Until I met Lynn, even when I was free, after I got on parole, I was still just swinging on people. Mm-hmm. What kind of impact did did Lynn make on you um, in in that time? And how did you uh, find her? Well, we were writing each other. Then we lost contact for a while while I was locked up. But then. Uh, we were down at West Park. I was down at West Park and ran into her again. You did just by chance. You found her. Yeah, that's crazy. So wait, let me get this straight. You knew her before prison too? No. Okay. While I was in prison, we met on a pen pal list. Oh, cool. Started writing each other, but I wasn't allowed visitors. Uh huh. They said I was too bad. So how long ago did you meet her? How many years ago? I met her in 2014. As far as 
writing for writing and, yeah. how, and then just last year yep you met up again that's great that's awesome and so you find yourself having known her and knowing us and all that she makes the biggest impact obviously and well you all do but she's the one that broke the seal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. I understand. And, uh, I mean, you're better for it. I mean, um, with that hard shell on it, it keeps you away from uh, people that, that are actually good to you. Yeah. I'll tell you, Slim, I, I have seen you soften over the last years as well. So it's not just, like, you continue to grow in that, um, as I've known you, and you will continue to grow in that. I'm sure of it. Just another thing I admire about you. Yeah, well, she just got out of the hospital last night, and when I seen all the bruises on her, I flipped all the way out again. I mean, that's that's tough to hear. That she uh, there there's a situation where she was caught up in domestic violence, and uh, she was on the receiving end of that, um, and no one's deserving of that. And it's hard to see someone that you really care about. Um, really have experienced that and uh, having that sort of uh, that reaction is human yeah I'm angry about it honestly there's, there's no it's never it's never okay for someone to do something like that so I mean I think there's situations where it's okay to be angry and it's okay to um, feel those things um, as long as we're able to find an outlet for that and uh, I'm glad that that you're not um, putting putting that energy out in a way that is uh, putting yourself in a, in a different situation. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna get him. I know where he lives. He lives at Common Baker, apartment two hundred one. I will get it, but. Ain't nothing going to stop that. Well, even even with that, um, and having having that anger and having all of that um, negative energy, and, and that's totally okay. But it's it's always about how how we choose to respond, and uh, and I think that's where that's where we can always um, learn and grow in, and. Uh, and I've certainly seen you um, grow quite a bit in, in all these experiences, and and I've had a and I've had a great time just hanging out with you and getting to know you, um, for sure. Yeah, I ha I have a great time hanging out with you all. Yeah, that's awesome. Now John met, has met Linda, him and his sister. Yeah, Emily and I went and we hung out with you guys and Lynn, and uh, we had a good time. Yeah, Arden and the rest of them ain't met her yet. Yeah, uh, but we're I definitely going to. She's going to come around at some point. So. Oh, yeah. yeah when she's feeling day. better, uh, we'll, we'll have a dinner to get all together. We'll have a good time. More definitely. Good. So after you got out of prison, um, you you started uh, using some pretty hard drugs. Were you were you doing that, like, when you were in prison? Or, like, what sort no, of started that? When I got out, I had so much anger in me that, that the only thing uh, that what I turned to, I turned to heroin which is I OD 15 times because it, it was straight fentanyl. It wasn't even heroin. And I was doing powder and rock. All at the same time? All at the same time. Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. 
handle. You said 15 times. Yeah, OD. I've been in the hospital for OD 15 times while I was on parole. Uh huh. Even when they sent me, even when they violated me and sent me to, uh, like drug rehab or 30 days lockup, it didn't stop me. What the first time I did it, they found me almost dead at Evergreen Apartments. Mm-hmm. What was uh, obviously that's a really hard experience, Odine, that many times. How did you get uh, out of that life? I guess when Tusky gave me a chance and sat me down, mm-hmm. told me to stay clean, he get me off parole. That what got me off. Yeah, no, you had you had a tangible goal, and then you you manned up. You're like, I want to change my life for the better, and and so it, it completely fell on your shoulders. And, and at that moment, you're like, I'm gonna do that, and and that's what you did. And uh, I mean, that's really neat to see and, and hear. And uh, is that how it went down? Is is you made that personal decision and you just went for it? Yep. And with the help of Lynn. Yeah. Well, she, she's at the hotel, just got out the hospital, so I'm, I'm going to have to cut this kind of short. That's okay. Home. I think um, one of my major takeaways from this conversation that we've been having, Slim, is that um, you have a strong will. And... Uh, when you set your mind to something, it's gonna happen, and uh, and I think you should. I think you need to like know that and like realize I have a really strong will, and uh, I can accomplish a lot of things as long as I put my mind to it. Yeah, that's true. I have done a lot of things. I've accomplished a lot of things, and I'm gonna try to keep it going. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to uh, thank you for coming on, Slim. I know. Uh, could I? Could I actually ask one more question? Is that sure. all right? Um, I don't know if we'll get a chance to record again. So I wanted to ask you. Um, I want to give you a couple minutes, or as long much time as you want, to just, if you have any message, for people who might listen to this or to learn from your life, if you have any advice or anything like that. If you wanted to share it, I wanted to give you that time right now. You can take as long as you want. My biggest thing is, just because a person is homeless, don't look down on them, this is reasonable. Give them a chance. Absolutely. Now everyone is wise uh, words. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
No, everyone's deserving of just a human dignity and respect. And I can certainly tell um, that from the stories that you're telling me that you've been on the receiving end of some real um, sort of hatred at certain times and dehumanizing um, situations. And uh, you certainly aren't deserving of that. Yeah, because people at home, they're still human beings. Absolutely. Treat them like it. That's right. That's right. huge thank you for sharing slim thank you you're allowing me to be you're always welcome here slim for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always gonna be mountain dew for you so you gotta come by and drink it not unless you ain't if you ain't got boomer here i'm not coming back <laughs> <laughs> oh, i don't know man I, 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 I gotta find boomer sometime and bring him back for you oh yeah well slim you're like uh I see you as a brother. Uh, I don't see you as homeless. I see you as a human, and I see you as a friend. So I appreciate the time, and I appreciate our relationship. Me too. I feel the same way. Even you, Johnny, even though you <laughs> gave him <laughs> <a> poop. Even <laughs> though you gave him poop. <laughs> you all right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but poop is a lot. I pray you than you. <laughs> I mean, that's a fact. I'm not going to try to contest that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, it's, uh, no, on, on that corner, uh, the first time I saw you, um, I didn't know who you were. Um, but after talking to you, I mean, I knew we were going to be friends. And that's why I kept coming over. And we kept hanging out. And uh, the rest was history. And, and I'm really glad that things have turned out the way it was and uh, that we are where we are. And I'm excited to see. Um, as you continue to um, continue to grow and experience life in a new way, as you as you move in to your new place, as you um, keep working and start working at your job, and uh, you have a lot to look forward to. And I'm excited to see um, where that takes you and to be a part of that and as your friend and as uh, someone who can uh, be there with you. You know what's even crazier is uh, a few months back, Slim, you went into the hospital and you were there for a bit and John and I didn't know where you went. I forgot to mention this. John and I, yeah, <laughs> yeah we thought you were actually dead for a while, which is terrible to say, but it made me think, I was like, man, I miss slim. I was like, I wish I was thinking just a few days before you show up on the corner again, after you got out, I was like, I wish I could see slim again so that we could like, you know, we could have these kinds of conversations and stuff, you know? And then there you were, John and I went out running, <laughs> we saw you out on the corner, and it was like, bam. We, we get, knew it was you immediately. <laughs> but, but see, <laughs> yeah. thing is, I noticed, uh, all in long before I noticed that. <laughs> John, that's just because I'm taller. <laughs> oh, oh, man, we are crazy. crazy. like a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy, though, thinking just because you were in the hospital for so long, and, and no one would tell us where you went. John was looking around and yeah, I, I remember you up in that hotel and uh, so I went to the hotel and uh, they wouldn't tell me like what happened to you and uh, and I called I was calling those you had like four different numbers at the time and I was calling those numbers trying to trace those All numbers. All of them were dead. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, and uh, I couldn't find you and then all of a sudden 
Alden and I, we find you as we're just jogging. And, and man, we saw you. <laughs> like a ray we, of sunshine. We ran so fast to, to go see you again. <laughs> well, that's that when so calling me. I got to get home. Okay, okay, okay. Sounds good. Let me roll the ending music and then we can shut it off. Okay. All right. All right, and this has been uh, the podcast um, presented by John and Alden. Today we had um, Slim on the podcast. We had a great conversation. Just and sharing uh, some stories. We really appreciate having you out, Slim. Uh, we can maybe even do it again sometime. Well, definitely. This time I will have Lynn with me. Awesome. Absolutely. We'll, we'll have Lynn on, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch us uh, next time. <laughs>